Before we get into the message, I want to talk to you about a wife who invited some people to dinner. At the table, she turned to her six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing? I wouldn't know what to say, the girl replied. Just say what you hear mommy say, the wife answered. The daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? All right, tonight I have a message for you entitled, Overcoming Creepy Crawlies. Yeah, I look at that and that freaks me out. If I was standing in the middle of that, I have to admit to you that I am not a fan of creepy crawlies. I may be the man of the house, but my wife, Norma, is the exterminator. She has a license to kill, and I don't mess with it. I see a spider, I'm out of the house, all right? I, if a bee flew into my, uh, my car, I would run off the road and run. That's all I'm telling you. I can't deal with it. Now, some creepy crawlies are just annoying. Uh, we took our grandkids to a restaurant yesterday, and there was this fly that was just super annoying that continued to buzz around. We could not get rid of it. Now, I don't get it because I remember when I was young and there'd be a fly in the house, we'd grab the fly swatter. Those things would run from you. Now they actually land on you as if taunting you, saying, I dare you to do something about me. So I don't understand that. So I'm thinking about this message and I was thinking about telling that story, and I was in Publix this morning, and I kid you not, as I'm thinking about, yeah, I'll tell that fly story at the restaurant, a fly actually starts dive-bombing me at Publix. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen someone trying to deal with an insect around them, but it has to look weird to people when they don't know what's going on, and you're just like, all of a sudden, you know, I turn into Bruce Lee, you the fly would not get away from me. It's annoying. I, I couldn't deal with it. And I'm thinking, really? Really, as I'm thinking about this, a fly comes by me like I need an illustrated sermon right there in Publix? I don't get it. So most creepy crawlies are annoying, but some are actually destructive. Years ago, we lived in this town. I don't know if any of you heard of this in Florida, Rotunda West. Rotunda West is actually uh, constructed as a circle. So you can completely get lost and just keep going in circles and circles and circles. Anyway, one day my wife came to me. She goes, I think our walls are moving. I'm like, uh, cuckoo, cuckoo. And then one day we came home and we saw all these bugs on our living room floor. We didn't know what they were. Termites. Termite. Apparently, when they come out of the wall and hit oxygen, they just die. So now, this is a great expense of devastation and loss for the owner. Luckily, we were renting, and he had to pay to fix that. So with that in mind, I thought, are there creepy crawlies in your life causing destruction, devastation, and loss? Go over to Joel we're going to go into the Old Testament, Joel, and we're going to look at chapter 2, and I want to focus on this one verse, Joel 2, 25. And God is speaking here 
to the prophet. And he says this, he says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And I began to think of those creatures, which I'll label as creepy crawlies, that the Bible says here that they've come in and they've taken years from people's lives. So have you encountered creepy crawlies in your life that have caused destruction and loss? We're in an economy right now where a lot of people are experiencing loss, loss of money. You go to the gas pump and you are paying twice what you used to pay, which is taking away from your income. Some people have loss of jobs. Some people have loss of income. You may have loss of friends. Isn't it interesting today that friendships are breaking up because you don't agree with someone politically? Didn't happen years ago. Okay, you vote that way, I vote this way, you know, so be it. But now if we don't agree with people's beliefs, oh, that's it. I'm unfriending you. Loss of relationships, loss of health, loss of time. Here's the good news. If we look at Joel 2.25, the Lord is saying to you, I will restore to you the years that have been taken. Oh, I like that. If you've experienced loss, destruction in your life, God is saying that he will restore back to you. Well, who's you? That's you sitting right out there. I would claim that right now. Lord, your word says that you will restore back to me what was lost. And if I were you, your homework for this week would be to make a list of things that you've experienced as loss in your life and begin to claim right now restoration over those things. Let me give you the definition for restore, and I have a lot of them, but they're all good. The word restore, one definition, to bring back to a former, original, or normal condition. To bring back to a former, original, or normal condition. So if you've had something that has been destroyed or wrecked, a lot of times I think of people restoring a car. They had an old car, and they want to restore it back. They want it to look like the way it used to look. Well, how did your life used to look compared to where it is now? Is there some loss? Is there some things that have to be restored back to its original condition? Another definition for restore, to bring back to a state of health, soundness, or vigor. Oh, I like that. To bring back to a state of health, soundness, or vigor. Maybe you're experiencing some sickness, so that is a loss of health in your life. Uh, maybe you aren't thinking as clearly as you used to. Maybe you just don't seem to have the kind of energy. All of that is a loss that, according to this, God says, I will restore back to you. 
Another definition, to re-establish. To re-establish. And then finally, to make a return or restitution of anything taken away or lost. To make a return or restitution of anything taken away or lost. So if you have had things taken from you, you have lost things, God says, according to this verse, that he will restore back to you. Now here's, if we look at that even more closely, it says, and I will restore back to you the years the locust hath eaten. So he's going to restore back years. Why is he going to do that? So you don't live a life of regret, but satisfaction. Some of you, your loss or hurts may go back years and years. I have a former employer from probably 15 years ago at least who still owes me money. Well, I'm claiming that. Lord, you said you'll restore back. Now, maybe he'll never pay me back, but that doesn't mean God can't bring it through other means. You know, the great thing about God's restoration is he always gives you more than what you lost. So it's not just equal with him. He's like that because he loves you. It's like your kids. You try to give them more than what you had. He's going to restore those lost years. So notice what it says. I will restore. He's not saying, oh, I might. Eh, If I feel like it, I'll restore it back to you. Maybe when you get to heaven, you'll get something in return. No, he's saying right now, right here, where you are, I will restore back to you. I've got one more definition for restore, just in case you didn't have enough. The literal Hebrew for that word restore in this verse actually means this, to be in a covenant of peace. That means that you will be at peace. You won't have to be worrying anymore how you're going to get by or how you're going to reclaim what was lost. You put your trust in God knowing that he is going to provide. So no more worry, no more anger, no more irritation, no more wondering. You can live your life in peace. How many of you know when everything's good, when you are restored back to the way you were, you're not worried anymore? You are at peace. Now, let's look at this. It says that I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. Well, why a locust? Isn't that an interesting thing? I mean, most of us have probably never encountered a locust. They're mainly in North Africa, the Middle East, and India. But the character of the nature of the locust is that they suddenly appear and are suddenly gone. But while they appear, they leave mass devastation behind. They strip all the fields. They eat everything in sight. They are even known to eat the bark off of trees. 
in the New King James Version, it refers to it as swarming locusts. And a swarm can include billions. So imagine how much devastation has taken place by them. Now, biblically, locusts represent a day, a time, or a season of devastation. A day, a time, or a season of devastation. So has there been a day, a time in your life, or a season where you have experienced devastation? That's what God is trying to bring across in this verse. And as a result of it, he says, I will restore back to you. Now jump down to the next verse for a minute, and let's see the end result of this. It says, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. So when it refers to eating in plenty, that's not supposed to happen when locusts show up. The normal function or aftermath of locusts is that it creates a famine. But God is saying here, even in the times of famine, you shall eat in plenty. Right now, again, with our economy and what's going on, people are predicting there's going to be shortages of food. So all of a sudden, people panic. They get fearful. But we need to rely on what the Word of God says, that even in famine, you shall eat in plenty, and it says, and be satisfied. So you can live your life with satisfaction and not regret. All right, go back to verse 25, because there's some other creepy crawlies we didn't talk about. It says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. Now, that is not referring to different types of creepy crawlies, but different stages of the locust in development in coming into your life. So when we look at it that way, all of a sudden it's different. No matter what stage of destruction is coming upon your life, God can stop it and bring restoration to you. But you need to be aware of locusts in your life so you can deal with them instead of allowing them to develop to maturity. How many of you know it's better to stop something before it becomes full grown? So let's look at these. The canker worm. The canker worm. I'm going to define this one this way as the creeping stage. The creeping stage. Now, the canker worm doesn't have its wings yet. It just kind of creeps along. It's creeping destruction. But just because it can't fly doesn't mean it can't eat. So the canker worm can creep into a marriage. It's not full-blown destruction right now, but it's just kind of creeping in, just kind of losing some of the life that the marriage once had. It can creep into your health. 
You know, a lot of times we might have a sniffle or a sneeze, and we don't think or do anything about that, and all of a sudden now we have the flu or we have something else because we didn't stand on it when the symptoms first started coming. It can creep into your relationship with your kids. There are some adult children don't even talk to their parents because of things that crept in that weren't dealt with. It can creep into your dreams. Now, we tend to ignore the canker worm because we don't think it's that bad. Deal with it, or it will eventually bring full destruction. Let's look at the next stage, the caterpillar. We'll refer to this as the devouring stage. The devouring stage. It's interesting that the caterpillar will immediately eat the plant that they were born on. It's the first thing in front of them, and they start eating. They can eat over 30,000 times their own weight. That's crazy. They are bigger, quicker, and more destructive. Again, it's not full destruction yet, but it starts with something happening to you in a day that becomes a week, that becomes a month, and then full-on destruction. And then we have the palmer worm. The palmer worm, we'll say, is the gnawing stage. When the can- while the canker worm eats away all the trees and branches, the palmer worm eats away at the roots. Have you allowed the locust or the locust in development to get to the root of things in your life? He doesn't devour the crop, but greatly affects it. It's just this constant, irritating gnawing that just keeps coming at you over and over and over again. If you're in a marriage, the marriage isn't over yet, but it's not what it could be or what it once was. God says, I don't care what stage your life is in, recognize it and believe for restoration. Don't put up with it. That's what we do. We just put up with it. It's like a gnat just flying around your head just keeps annoying you. God said he will restore all things to you. He will restore what you've lost. Again, you actually get back more than what you lost. So you need to claim what you want back and say, that belongs to me. According to your word, Lord, you said you'd restore A, B, and C, so that belongs to me. Go back to verse 26, and let's look at this in a little bit more detail. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God. Did you notice a lot of people don't like to praise God when they're going through loss and destruction? In fact, we may actually blame God for that. Lord, how could you let this happen to me? Praise comes after restoration. Why are you praising God? Because everything's been restored. 
The Bible says you shall eat in plenty. That means to devour or consume anything in your path. To devour or consume anything in your path. It also means to eat up space. Well, that sounds interesting. Loss makes you live small. You narrow the abilities and the things that are in front of you. People say, well, I could never be happy again because they've experienced loss. However, if we allow God to restore us, if we believe for that restoration, then the Bible says we can eat in plenty, so your life is going to start expanding. That's what we mean by eat up space. We don't just learn to live with things. We begin to eat up more space and say, well, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine. Because God said, I will restore back to you. And then he says that you will be satisfied. That phrase, be satisfied, means you will have too much. I don't know if any of you have gotten there yet. But I want to get to the place where I just got too much. I don't know what to do with it. I've got too much. That's what we can start believing for. Now, what happens when you have too much? It's not for you to hoard, but then I can give out to you and to you and to you and to you that God pours into us so that we can give out to others. Now, when you're going through a season of loss, don't let go of your hope. When you're going through a season of loss, don't let go of your hope. Why? Because hope is future. Hope is looking forward to what God is going to bring into your life. A great definition of hope is confident, favorable expectation. I am confident, favorable, and I expect things to come into my life because God said he's going to restore back to me. People lose hope when things start to happen to them, oh, I'll never be happy again. We forfeit our right to be happy again. But we should be joyful knowing that God is going to restore back to us. Zechariah 4 says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And Hebrews 6 says, hope is the anchor to my soul. So God is waiting to restore everything in your life that can be restored. He's waiting for you to move past your loss and claim this is mine. He wants to cause rivers to flow in your desert. It's time for you to get up, begin to sow new seed, and move forward in life, that's how you overcome the creepy crawlies in your life. Amen?